Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Unruly Software. We're doing it remote again, as usual, waiting for lockdown to finish. We're almost there. That's right. Far away. Yes. Mid-October, maybe. Okay. Mid-October, maybe. If this episode goes out. uh, I I might already be free, actually, by the time this comes out. Who knows? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. That'd be lovely. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, if it is going to be the the end of society we all have to just live in our houses from now on yeah why not just write great software and talk about it on a podcast i wouldn't call it great software <laughs> okay why not just write software, software that works sometimes <laughs> <laughs> software that works most of its time yeah well look most of the alerts channel is like uh client side stuff i'm or, glad you look at the alerts channel i just see them come up and think gee james is doing a good job he always sorts these out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they typically, uh, yeah, it's going well. The uh, keeping the um, the alerts and everything down. Uh, you know, how's how's the rest of the business going outside of alerts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a nice a nice channel, unfortunately. Oh, actually, we do have the channel that tells us when customers sign up. That's been going pretty well. Yeah, that's something we've added. Uh, we get like a little alert when someone registers a tenant in our system, so we we know who they are and. Uh, what is it that they're doing? It's getting yeah. louder. That's puts good. A, puts a little smile on your face. That's it's right. It's always good. It's good when people use your software. I mean, it's very rare. That's why we're really. building it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was building it just for the sake, you know. Just, well, just avoiding fun. avoiding uh, the fact that one day you might have to go act, do actual work for someone. What, what do you mean? I'm doing actual well, work if, <laughs> now. Yeah. Well, if we just pretend with, that we're building this startup, I mean, whether it succeeds or fails doesn't really matter. We just gives us something to do every day, right? You're not you're not breeding too much confidence <laughs> in me right now, but that's fine. All right, moving on from that subject. No, but what I meant to say was uh, things are going positive. We've been getting some good feedback from from all the users. The sales has been going good. Well, the sales. Uh, when I say sales. I'm not much of a salesman, let's be honest. Well, I, I just know. ring people up. Yeah. I ring people up. I, I find I get re- referrals for people who might be interested in the software. I do a bit of research on people who I think might be interested. And then I ring them up and I just have a conversation. What's your process just, when you ring them? I just, say say? Like, I just say hello. And then I say... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hello. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Uh, I'm, a soft, I'm a software developer and I build soft. Uh, actually, I say me and my team build software. And uh, You want to say team, of course, so you seem more professional. Yes. And then, well, I haven't been building it all too, so I don't want to say that I built it because that's not true. And then... Um, it's your face on the website, so <laughs> I don't know about that. No, my face is in there. It is. Got a pol- on on the bottom right. On the website. Every time you, we added intercom to the website, yeah. Which is a great move. Intercom is a fantastic tool. Intercom uh, has been good. And uh, every time someone logs into the website, Frank's face pops up <laughs> and is like, well, hi, hey there, Frank, how help? are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's very yeah, awkward but, if I have to answer their uh, questions because... It's, yeah, you've done it once. Yeah. I remember. So we've had a fair few people hop on Intercom and ask questions. And the first one, I think I'd done it. And then the second person who got on Intercom, James picked it up really quick and actioned it and then the next day the person came back and was like oh hi james and then james is like 
oh, Frank, can you just handle this? I, I've done it once. I, I've experienced it. That's enough now. No, no, no. It <laughs> I was just want to more... go back to coding. It's fine. <laughs> well, I thought you, you know the person. Like, yeah, I do. So like doing it over SMS is probably, or like text messaging is more difficult than doing a call. And I figured yeah. you would explain that over like a Zoom or something. Yeah. Is that what you do? Yeah. So you can schedule a Zoom call from your, from your intercom or something, I'm guessing. Yeah, schedule a Zoom call. Sometimes sometimes we can fix it through the actual intercom chat, which is good. It's very fancy. Whatever works for the situation, if it's yep. easy things. Intercom's got some cool features where if you use their, uh, they've got like a documentation system, you can build out support pages and docs on how to do things and you can link it. Yeah, you can actual, just share them. Instead of like having it, yeah. to actually respond to the person, just be like, have you read our help docs yet? And then just slide that <laughs> passively, passively aggressively towards them. <laughs> yeah. But we haven't, we haven't got that feature yet. We've got the, we've just got our own support page. So if we've got, if we've got a support article on how to do it, I might point them to it or if they need a little bit of extra help, I'll guide them through. Yeah. But uh, going back to the sales stuff. So, uh, well, Okay not sales into the uh what do we call it business development i don't know Biz i just dev, think about it actually like, sorry i just think about it like me just telling people about what we're doing <laughs> yeah because i don't try and sell it i just say like this is what it is so i tell them okay we're building software we're building it for people like you you might be interested do you say we're building software or do you say we're building yeah. a, a like a an, an an app or like what's your actual term uh i'll say I'll either say bookkeeper software or business software. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a bookkeeper, I'll tell them it's for bookkeepers. If Biz it's soft, business, they call it. Yeah. Biz soft. Yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just ask them if they're interested and they, if they have time to hear about it. And most people are pretty good. Most people are interested. Um, as long as when I first started doing it, I think I must have been channeling my inner call center because a few people thought I was like a uh, overseas uh, overseas call center. <laughs> call center? Like, yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'd imagine you'd have to be quite robotic because you're nervous and like you're calling someone you don't know and like asking something from them. So it'd be quite difficult to be a, a normal person. So in yeah. fact, the most salesy people are probably the people who uh, do not sound like they're salespeople on a phone call. Which is what you've started to do. And that's what I, even when uh, the last time I was in the office with you before lockdown started, I remember you like not sounding like a salesperson, but sounding more like just someone curious. You actually sounded like you wanted to buy something from them. That was the, uh, oh yeah. so it was like, well, I think, hey, what? I'm looking for a, a bookkeeper actually. Yeah. Is there a bookkeeper at this phone number? I would just <laughs> need to book in some time with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, we are looking for bookkeepers and we're trying to empathize with their problem, right? That's what we're doing, building software. We're not, we're not doing it to make money because if we wanted to make money, oh, we do want to make money, but like... I do actually want to make money. Sorry, I'll just <laughs> hopefully, <correct you. laughs> hopefully this works out and we make money, but yeah, first priority for me is building a piece of software that people want to use. So... When I talk to people, I'm just trying to empathize with their situation and, and find out if what we're doing actually solves a problem because if I, I feel like if the problem is solved well, the product will sell itself and then I don't have to actually do sales. So it's more important for me to 
to show people what we've done and see if it resonates. Well, if, if it doesn't yeah. resonate, what's the point of me trying to sell it? We must be resonating. Like, we've got like so many people. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, it's definitely resonating. And and this is the thing, right? If it if it's not connecting with people and people aren't willing to actually look at it and use it, then there's something wrong. We're, we're on the wrong path. So yes. there's no point in me trying to sell something if it's not right for people. I'd rather find out what they need and then work that into the product. I did read an arbitrary quote that um, first-time startup founders focus on product and second-time startup founders focus on distribution. What do you think about that? How's that quote? Who said that? Uh, one of the guys from Mixpanel, I think, or... Uh-huh. Um, why Combinator? It was in a conference thinking, talk. I've been thinking a lot about that. Uh, and it's probably, they probably make that statement. I'm guessing their first startup was successful. And so their second startup, they chose a different way to attack it, maybe. Maybe. Well, so you think they like wouldn't have even made a second startup if uh, if, if it had failed horrifically? So we're saying that it's survivor, like survivors of a start of a startup, uh, focus on distribution. I think so. Yeah. I think that's so the what people who fail focused on distribution the first time. Is that the? Well, I don't know. Maybe there is people who succeeded and focused on distribution the first time. But I guess what I'm saying is, if you've got a successful product, maybe there's maybe there's white like things you learn in the whole process and different strategies you can take when you do it all again the second time. I mean, everything you do the first time is always a little bit harder. You're learning so many things as you go. What tips would you give people that are uh, looking at venturing into making a product, uh, uh, an application, since that's what we do? We make a, uh, how would you describe it? (laughs) What's the elevator pitch? Go, Frank, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like HR software, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> it's fine. My tip would no, be come up with an elevator pitch that you can remember. <laughs> would be ideal. So what's the question? Well, what's what, what, what would you tell yourself uh, mm. a year ago, essentially? Back, you just got to back yourself. I reckon that's the most important thing. Do you think you didn't back yourself when you started? or No. You didn't? Uh, well... What happened to me was I was, I had the idea and I shared it with a few people and people kept saying, yeah, it's a good idea. And then I thought to myself, yes, it's a good idea. And then I was very, I was very risk averse. I, I was worried about all the things that might go wrong. And then I kept sharing the idea and then I was having dinner with my brother one night and, and he's like, okay, because I told him the idea a few times and he'd heard about it and he thought it was okay, but he hadn't taken the time to actually think it through properly. So he's like, all right, tell me again. So we went through, we spent like half an hour going through it and he's like, all right, quit your job and do it tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, are you sure? He's like, yes. Stop <laughs> fucking talking about it. I don't want to listen anymore. Just quit your job. Oh, right. It sounds like so he what? just wanted you to shut up more than anything, actually. I think that's what it was. But I think at the same time, he knew that like I wanted to do it 
and I just didn't have the, like there were so many variables. It was very hard to have the conviction to actually do it. Yeah. So then when, when he like gave me that little bit of a nudge and said like, yes, you can do it. And like, we talked it out. I think talking it out was very helpful as well because up till that point, it was just an idea in my head. So then when it was all out on the table, he's like, yes, just do it. So then from that point onwards, I'm like, all right, well, like there's no trying from this point forward. It's not an idea anymore. Like we're just going to give it our best, best shot. Just make it happen one way or another. You have to just make it happen. Uh, What is it that uh, Nike says? Just, just accomplish. Just do. Oh, right. That's right. Go do. Go do. (laughs) Go do. Go do it. Yeah. 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 So lucky he said, uh, just quit your fucking job. That was his words. I'm pretty sure. I know. Imagine how much more money you'd have in your pocket right now if <laughs> yeah. he had just shut uh, shut up and not said that. <laughs> well, if he didn't, if we didn't have that conversation that night, I'd probably still be walking around telling people about my great idea. <laughs> <of Harry Potter. laughs> yeah, what do you think about this startup? Oh my god, <laughs> startup. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, you have to love being pitch people startup ideas. I'm the subject of many, <laughs> I've shared some of them, many uh, startup ideas are uh, thrown at me in the hopes of finding a technical co-founder. So why did you do this startup then? Uh, well, uh, it's the only idea that actually sounded like uh, someone might want to use it. People think that ideas are very like uh, precious and, and all and... Uh, it, yeah, I just don't think so. It's it's more the execution and the team, but um, you have to have something that someone would actually want to buy. And ninety percent of the times, it's something abstract uh, that you've you've not even remotely thought about, like who the target audience is or whatever. And uh, your thing, it was um, actually initially, the product has evolved so much. Like it's I. I I think you think that it's similar to what it was initially, but I genuinely think the product is. Uh, massively different to what we initially right. envisaged. <laughs> That's, funny. That's a funny perspective. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. Do you, so what What do you think? Do you think that the product that oh, we have now is yeah. what you had, let's not say envisioned, but had planned for? Well, I definitely didn't plan for it, but it's, it's, uh, it's evolved in the direction that I thought it would. Yeah. And from the, from the, the key pillars that, I kind of thought of at the very beginning. I think they're still there and we're we're like developing them more and more. And for clarity, the the key the like essentially the product in the beginning was an onboarding system for small businesses like retail and food, right? Where yep. to get someone into your system there's all this paperwork and like hands-on stuff. So like mm-hmm. get an easy way for someone to like scan a QR code, get their paperwork somewhere, right? Yep. Um Whereas now, uh, I feel like we're not an onboarding system. <laughs> the the you the QR code is not the feature. It's really just like an ancillary, like whatever. I guess it's there. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone's bought it because maybe one person has, based on what you've told me. But I don't think anyone's bought it because they were like, "Oh, I could scan a QR code. That's great." Yeah. Yeah. And uh, since then, we've become more of... So initially, I thought this was going to be something like the product was going to be a one-off, uh, like simple tool, like um, 
sort of like one of those payment providers for like a restaurant where like that's just what they do. They just like take payments. That's it. And uh, we would just be like very lean on what it is that we do, but uh, it's uh, it's definitely a lot bigger than uh, than I expected. It's not just mm. an onboarding platform; it's a, a an ongoing like process. It's a bit of a process management management tool, which is what it's becoming now, yeah. uh, as well as uh, we, and I suppose onboarding is a process that uh, we that we do, as well as uh, having integrations. Yeah. It's like a business toolbox is what I would... It's a business toolbox, yeah, is, it is. Is what I would say it is Most now. definitely. Yeah. And I think the thing is we architected it in, in a way where, well, you've always said this from the beginning, make whatever decision we make, ensure we can migrate forward. And I think that's that's been one of the best things because as you build and you learn and you see how people use things, you come up with new ideas. And then if you can't migrate forward into those ideas, it might block you from going down a path which you might not have thought of initially. Yeah. So in the beginning, we were quite quite flexible. We're still flexible now, but we weren't really locked into any certain way of doing things. Well, uh, we're, we... we're finding, you know, these, these areas that people are using the product more with. I think the thing is that um, a lot of products are doing something that already exists and is almost mapped one-to-one into software. Mm. Uh, Whereas what we've done, how did I say software? Anyway, uh, what we've done is we've sort of seen a set of problems and have tried to apply some principles to attempting to get those done in a, in a computable way. So like, The human, the previous human processes weren't like, obviously you couldn't just like, cause like, uh, the human process is like, oh, I get this thing from this person. I hand it to this person. I put a stamp on it. I give it back to this person. Like those processes aren't, uh, transmittable in, in, uh, as Jason. <laughs> so, so we had to find some way <laughs> to, serialize that? yeah, to, to solve their problems, hopefully, uh, with some like basic primitives like uh, mm-hmm. workflows and actions and tasks and documents and certificates, yep. right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's big evolution. You're 100% right. I think that was the process we took from the beginning, right? We we didn't try to to like look at a, a problem and work out what's the best way to solve this one problem. We kind of looked at it fr- from a one level up and thought, okay, if we wanted to solve multiple problems that occur across this different set that has commonalities. How do we build tools that allow that to facilitate that? Yeah. That's what I think we ended up doing. I don't think that's how we started though. Cause, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, initially we, we didn't have the, the notion of workflows or, or anything like that. We were, no. we were like a static on board. When I, when I started, you'd already made the uh, alpha is, do you want to call it an alpha? Is that what we call yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. We made the alpha version, or you did, and then I joined, and uh, yep. we pivoted towards doing the primitive sort of style. Hmm. And uh, that was focused on solving, like, only one, the, the problem of onboarding someone that has these specific, like, actions required. Yep. And then we, like, once we had accomplished that, I think we tried to 
move up one tier because we, we, we realized if that's the only thing that people are using the product for, it's probably not worth the development time. We have to have something that's actually uh, sticky and that people mm. want to use, I think is what we discussed at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows, six months' time might be totally different again. We might be like, yeah, so now we're doing... No, I don't think so. <laughs> food, to you, food to your door. No, probably <laughs> not. Well, the thing is we delayed decisions so that we could test whether or not the hypothesis hypotheses worked but now we have committed in directions that are irreversible in some in some ways the point was to delay those decisions as long as possible until we like had more insight into it because we literally we only had your brother as a customer initially Mm -hmm. right so uh we didn't have any anywhere to collect like product insights like what were we going to do send out forms to people and say hey would you like to use a, a task builder to solve your work work Workplace issues, yeah, <laughs> which no one would say yeah. yes to. Yeah, I think that was maybe one thing we done a little bit different to all the startup books I've read, where it says, um, "Do a basic test." I think because I experienced the problem firsthand myself, and I done all the research and couldn't solve the problem, I was quite quite sure that the problem existed and that someone would be willing to pay to have this problem solved? Well, I've seen the problem of like uh, difficulty managing like communication between businesses and employees. Like I I wasn't a software engineer my whole life. I was a retail manager (laughs) at an outdoor goods store. So, so uh, working there, uh, I experienced the same sort of problems. And I think I saw that as well. Um, And we did, we did have a test and I think you actually, we didn't have like a large scale test where we had multiple, like many businesses using it, but didn't, I think your, your family, uh, cause they, they have businesses. You used it there, right? You tried even yep. the alpha product with them. Yep. Didn't you? Yep. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, we, we tried it with, with a small group of users initially. Um, but I think one of the benefits as well was when I started showing it to people actually in the industry like when i started showing it to bookkeepers and saying hey what do you think about this having the tangible product so that people actually give it serious consideration was big big value for feedback i feel like we wouldn't have got the same feedback if i took like a a set of wireframes or an idea or a concept to people having like because we had built something people thought, oh, well, these guys are serious. So then they, we were able to get a little bit better feedback, if that makes sense. Well, we weren't even targeting our, our audience slightly pivoted, don't you, don't you think? So um, yeah. this is a controversial topic, but uh, <laughs> initially we thought um, the people that would need this sort of process uh, management to help them like, uh, reduce the amount of administrative work they do would be actual business owners, uh, if I recall correctly the conversations we had, and uh, it ended up being that uh, actually no, the business owner uh, doesn't give a fuck ninety percent of the time. Uh, they they always push this process heavy stuff onto people that are third parties or elsewhere, yeah, uh, which actually exacerbates the problems. Right, so we actually yeah. discovered a lot by 
you calling people and finding out who was actually receptive to it. Yes. Even with, yep. within the, the group of people that you knew. Well, I remember one, I was, you know, I was approaching business owners first and a lot of them were not even aware of the problem. And they'd be like, so what do you do? And I'd explain it to them. They'd be like, oh, no, I don't need that. And I'm like, are you sure? I pay someone for that. <laughs> yeah, I pay someone to do that. I'm like, okay. But then I remember specifically one person I went into and he's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not sure. I was pretty friendly. Like I knew the guy for a while. So he's like, I'm not sure. Let me call my manager. So he calls the manager. And the manager's like, oh, okay. So what do you do? I'd explain it twice. And then he's like, okay, I'm not quite sure. Let me call the supervisor. So then third person comes. I explained it again for the third time. And then she's like, oh my God, where were you two weeks ago? I need this now. <laughs> so, like, so then the business owner was like, oh, okay. Like how much is it? I told him, he's like, okay, just do it. So it was so funny. Like, um, like there was a massive problem in, in the business, just not for the people who were uh, people making the decisions like you said hired someone to take care of it and they removed themselves from the problem so it was no longer a problem for them but they didn't realize the underlying issues it was causing for their business yeah and because the friction point was actually uh hidden from them because the friction point was between the employee and the third party that so a bookkeeper anyone who manages like documents and like submitting things for an employee that's where the actual friction ended up being found Right. Yep. And uh, I don't think we, because we, I, I think if we had started in like this industry, I know you sort of started in the, this industry in the, what, what would you call it? Like human resources or like bookkeeping software industry. Yep. Maybe we yep. could have identified that faster, but I'm, I'm really not sure. Mm. It's hard to say. I because I mean, you you've worked in businesses and you've literally seen the problem yourself. It's just that the majority of people, the the problem was in a in a slightly different partition of the business. Yeah. So, exactly. um, yeah. And I think the other thing too, because uh, of the rise of SaaS products, this pro this problem, like you said, has been exacerbated in the past few years, maybe. Whereas, where a lot of these systems might have been internal and paper-based but there was less less to actually do the, the rise of of easy SaaS platforms and the the need to move things electronically has kind of like you said exacerbated it's made the problem worse because now you've got so many disparate systems that you need to work with we've got so much automation that's disconnected that it's uh, yeah, it's more cumbersome it's than paper sometimes I'm yeah, sure everyone's got their own automation process, but I think, then, um, yeah, we, I think that's sort of the, the part that we slid into was, uh, trying to solve the parts where those automate, like pieces of automation didn't, didn't fit together. Not like an event bus, but like, uh, the communication, but the, really the, the problem is getting things from A to B in a like secure and like safe manner and following a process. So mm which is a lot harder than uh, you'd expect. Most companies that I, I've worked for have had something for this, but they're like massive products in the tunes of like thousands of dollars, which all of these small businesses or, you know, bookkeepers can't, can't afford to get into. Can't afford it. Yeah. We're fighting for the, the little person. We're like uh, Robin Hood. Do you know that yeah, guy? Except not the, not the company. Except we don't Robin steal Hood. anything, I, like I promise. 
<laughs> and also, yeah, I don't, I, well, we're not quite right. All right, never mind. We're not rubbing it. <laughs> hey, remember what you said the other day? You're like, uh, or you might have said it today, optimizing the, the bottleneck. Yeah. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe we're just, we found the bottleneck and we've, we're optimizing it. Yeah. So in both the, I, I play, I've started, I've become slightly addicted to Factoria, uh, mm. which is a like automation game where you like build uh, uh, belts that transport materials to and from locations. And also uh, it made me think of uh, uh, the Phoenix project. And that's one of the, the key principles. I think they were like 12 points or something. It's been so long since I've read that book. Mm. And the, the main takeaway that I got from that book was um, uh, if you automate any, any place that is not the actual bottleneck in a system, you're actually making uh, your entire job harder because resources build up on the bottleneck. This is like work in progress limits on Kanban boards, the same sort of thing, right? Work builds up and then it gets you get behind because you've got pieces of paper over here and over here of a backlog, which I'm imagining if you could think of these people that we try to serve, they're experiencing the same pro- the problem. It's just instead of like iron arriving at the car factory too soon, it's uh, like people's paper and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So the moral to the story is it's not enough for James to write TypeScript to automate systems. He has to also play games after hours to automate fake worlds. That's right. I get bored. I get mentally bored during lockdown. And that's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I like spreadsheets. Yeah, so don't prematurely optimize. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We should have a, an episode of just like uh, things that like sound good. You know, like don't prematurely optimize. Like oh, uh, yeah, yeah. one word, uh, w- w- like one sentence. The one second, sayings. The one sentence podcast. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the lightning round. Uh, this is another lightning round. Only 30 minutes. Isn't that incredible? 30 minutes. If you liked any of this uh, shit, then uh, like our podcast on Apple. Give it five stars. I think we deserve it. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> no? If oh. you really like us, buy a subscription to our software. No, don't do that. Thank you. And uh, join us on Discord if you want. All right. If you want. You don't have to. Peace out, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>